This is the Going the Distance Podcast. Dude, I'm telling you, when I'm driving a fucking Porsche and living on a yacht, you're gonna be like, oh, I wish I got him in the top guy. You had two picks on two defensive possessions in a row, and you don't win the field position battle? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is a fun show. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Going the Distance podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell and alongside me is Elijah Spann. We have a special episode planned for today. We're joined by Alex Pricer and Jeff Fink from What A Hockey Podcasts. We're going to be talking NHL, we're going to talk some other stuff, Texas hockey, all that good th- good stuff. Excuse me. We're live on Twitch currently, live on YouTube. You can watch the recorded version of every episode on our Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter over at, at GTD underscore sports and other social medias such as Instagram. We have a new TikTok at gtdsports.com. We are currently live on there as well. And last but not least, subscribe to the GTD Sports newsletter over at the bottom of our website. And there you'll get email notifications for every new episode and stuff like that. Before we get going, make sure you guys check out NordVPN. You can use NordVPN, NordVPN to browse the internet privately, safely, and securely. You're able to unblock streaming services in any country. You can sign up now for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee using the link found on our website, gtdsports.com. You can save 70% on $3.50 a month for a three-year plan. You can connect up to six devices simultaneously, a bunch of good stuff. It's available on whatever platform you want, Windows, iOS, Android, everything. You can find that information on our website. Elijah, how are we feeling? Got through the promos. <laughs> yeah, that's Awesome. We have like our first ad read. I feel I know. I'm ner- I was nervous reading it, but I was excited. I didn't want to mess it yeah. up. Did they do you get that from them or do you, you just Google it yourself? And oh yeah, they, they sent like a whole everything to say, kind of what you know, what to include, what to advertise, the selling points, all that stuff. All oh, the good cool. stuff. Well, yeah, I guess get NordVPN with our code so we can get yeah. money. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. It's just for the people, you know. I use NordVPN. I mean, I, I use it. So, all right. Well, anyway, we're going to start off this episode before we get into the nitty gritty with a highlight and low light of the week. This is something new we're trying out to begin each episode, a little bit more personable. I'm going to go ahead and start out my highlight of this week. It's not necessarily sports related, but Shark Week is on TV and I absolutely love sharks. Everything to do with them. I've been trying to watch as much as I can throughout the week. And uh, especially my favorite part was the uh, Jackass episode. They had the guys from Jackass come on. Um, it was shit hit the fan, though, because uh, the newest member, Poopsie, got bit by a shark. And I had never seen anybody get bit by a shark on Shark Week before. So that was interesting to see. Yeah. Well, I guess because Jackass 4 is coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Excited for that. Yeah, they're doing promos and stuff. All right. My highlight of the week, um, Ty Tuivasa knocked the fuck out of Greg Hardy and then chug the beer out of the shoe afterwards. That was definitely my highlight of the week because Greg Hardy is the worst person in the world. Um, He's up there. Fighting is harder for Greg Hardy when it's not his 110-pound girlfriend, so that was nice. Um, Jesus. And then <laughs> it's true for him. Yeah. But, um, and then it also felt good because I was betting on Ty and you were betting on Greg and you were like, as soon as you said – Greg Hardy's about to knock out this guy. He's fat and overweight. And then as soon as you sent me that text and I read it, Ty came in with that one hit on his face that just knocked him to the ground, TKO. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Greg Hardy's one of the most awful people on the face of the earth. But 
My man's has knockout power. I thought he was going to clip him with one, but the exact opposite happened. So, yeah, dude, the shoeys were awesome. He didn't even just do one. He did like five he did shoeys like, yeah, on the way he did out, bro. so many. Yeah, did you see the one with awesome. the hot sauce? No, what? Yeah, so one on one of them, the dude dumped like half a bottle of hot sauce in there. And he just said, fuck it. That's disgusting, bro. I couldn't do that, especially oh, after Aust- fighting like that. He's Australian, dude. He's a different breed. Whatever. All right, and then my low light for this week has got to be it's bet- it's it's fifty fifty coin toss. It's between England losing the Euro twenty twenty or Conor McGregor breaking his ankle in the first round over the weekend. Well, we won't touch on that too much. We're gonna talk about that later in the episode, but that just really sucked to see. I really thought Conor was gonna come back. All right, uh, well, I um, it's kind of embarrassing. So I bought a gym headband because. And I feel like such a tool because of it. But it's like, so my hair's getting longer and growing it out. And I've been going to the gym a lot. But when I don't, I wear hats most of the time, but it's so hot. But when I don't wear a hat, my hair just stays in my face. So I had to bite the bullet and buy a headband. Is it one of those thick headbands that's like very visible? Yeah. Oh, no. It's it's super douchey. You could could just get one of the little thin headbands, you know, like that hides underneath the hair kind of? I don't know. It was either that or like the sweatband one. And I was like, I'm not wearing the – it's not 90s tennis. You're going to look like Tate Martell with that headband, bro. Yeah, it's one of the – it's one of like the – like Trevor Lawrence wears when he Mm -hmm. takes off his helmet. Like it's one of those. Yeah, exactly. So not stoked about it, but it had to be done because like today when I was in the gym, I was doing the rowing machine and I had my hat on and like I thought my head was going to explode because it's so hot. So well, I mean, kudos to you for at least going to the gyms. <laughs> yeah, I need, to, I need to get on that that train. <sighs> All right. Well, as I said at the beginning of the episode, we are joined by two special guests this week. Alex Pricer, who you may recognize from our website. She writes all of our hockey content, does an excellent job with that. Also runs our GTD Sports Instagram for the most part, too. And also Jeff Fink, who is the host of the Water Hockey Podcast, a blogger for the Morning Skate and formerly writer for the Hockey Riders. So we're going to take a quick little 10-second break and then come back joined by our guests. All right, how are we doing? Thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right, so first things first, Jeff, uh, as I mentioned, you know, you run the What a Hockey podcast. I can see the logo on your shirt right there. First thing I have to say is that is one of the coolest names I've ever heard. I love it. The branding and everything is awesome. Um, so basically just like tell us more about your brand, essentially. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you. Uh, it was a culmination of a lot of people that got together. Um, I run the show uh, with, obviously, myself, uh, Jason, and Patrick. Uh, I can't leave them out of the mix. Um, they're essential. I couldn't. I, I wouldn't be able to run the show by myself. Uh, no way. No. No. No chance. But um, yeah. That being said, it, we really, you know, took a page out of the Spit and Chicklets book. It's there's too much talk about hockey. Uh, that just involve stats, numbers, and while that's all good and well, people want to hear about how the the players got there. They want to hear about the people on the bench, the people in the front office. They want to hear like real relatable stories. And I think we found a really good opportunity to kind of hone in on that because no one's doing that really in Texas. And Texas is surprisingly a hotbed for hockey. Um, there are 
a ton of NAHL teams, uh, ECHL teams, obviously with the Allen Americans, who we're really close with. They're a fantastic organization. Uh, Dallas Stars, Texas Stars, and, and the list goes on, high school um, and, and up and down the list. But we really wanted to, to, to highlight the sport in the state of Texas because, obviously, football is king. Uh, baseball is, is not too far behind it. Uh, basketball will always be a strong contender because, obviously, with three professional organizations in the state, uh, it was time for us to kind of take a stand. And, obviously, with COVID going on, we were a little bit bored. And so I reached out to uh, Jason and Patrick, and next thing you know, we're, we're kind of collaborating and coming up with, obviously, the name and the logo and really kind of what we wanted to do. So we're, we're a Texas hockey podcast, and, and that's what we do through and through. So we'd love to expand one day. Uh, here in the southern region. Obviously, the Stanley Cup was just won by the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, down in Florida, which we, we can uh, we can get into if we want. Uh, we have an episode coming out tomorrow. We got a little heated on it. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we're, we are hockey in Texas, and we've had a blast doing it and hope it continues to grow. I th- can I, am I uh, safe to assume that you hate the Lightning just as much as everybody else? I absolutely cannot stand the Lightning. Yeah. Uh, I, think they're, I think they're criminals. I think they're thieves. Um, I think they're, they're tyrants, uh, and don't get me wrong. Everyone's mistreated the Stanley cup, uh, in some kind of way. Uh, even the stars did back in 99, uh, when they partied with Pantera, put a giant dent in the cup. Uh, <laughs> but to my knowledge, the cup is back in Montreal, uh, where it should stay, uh, because fat maroon decided to take a seat on it. I'm just assuming that's what happened and why there's a giant crease in the cup, but we could, we can go on and on if we need to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we can go ahead and jump into some uh, NHL talk. Maybe go ahead and uh, recap some of the highlights and lowlights from uh, this past playoffs and everything. I'll go ahead and honestly, Alex, if you want to maybe take over a little bit and guide the questions and whatnot. Yeah, cool. Thank you, Ryan. So, Jeff, before the playoffs even began, the season began, who did you want to win the Stanley Cup, but who did you think actually had a chance to win it? Honestly, it was so tough. I mean, you go into the season as a Stars fan uh, and you you see what they were able to do in the previous season with the team they had and essentially the same team coming back um, with the anticipation of Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop, uh, assuming they were supposed to come back healthy uh, this past April, um, which obviously they did not. Um, even Sagan, he came back, wasn't 100%. We'll say he was 75% for the sake of the conversation. But it was hard to not see Tampa back with Vasilevsky and goal. Um, again, you essentially had the same team. Uh, you had Kucherov waiting in the ring, the wings, whether that was legal and fair or not, regardless, as he came back in the playoffs, you had a healthy Stamkos going into the, to the regular season, but this season and like most seasons, and this is to me, what makes hockey so beautiful is you never really know whose year it's going to be. I think the Stars were a prime example of that last season with the Cinderella run they went on, having a really tough time in the regular season leading up to the bubble and then absolutely going off at the right time. Uh, Same exact thing happened with the Montreal Canadiens and Carey Price essentially being the best goaltender on the planet until he ran into the best goaltender on the planet. Um, So it's really hard looking back on it, who I can remember saying who would win. We definitely expected the Stars to make it out of that division into the playoffs. Uh, but it was kind of a nice surprise to see the Florida Panthers do so well. And I really, really had hoped that the Panthers were able to put up a little bit more of a fight against Tampa Bay. I think out of all the series, that, in my opinion, was probably the most entertaining one of the playoffs. Um, But 
it's kind of hard to look back. I, I will say from my heart, obviously one of the stars back in the playoffs, but uh, stats don't lie. Tampa coming back with almost the same team. It was hard not to say that they had a legitimate shot to be back in and then obviously happened to win it once again. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat because I was like, I didn't want the Lightning to win. If you read any of my blogs, I think I mentioned it at least once in every one that I didn't want them to win, especially mm-hmm. getting a two-peat. I don't know what I have against them necessarily, but I just don't like them. And so I just really just didn't want them to win. I was I was hoping Montreal would pull it out, but I just, as you said, stats don't lie. I just really didn't think they could going up against them. And I really wish that I could have seen Florida gone go farther just because I'm a big Joel Quinville fan and I wanted him to get more of a run again. Well, I yeah, feel like- I, it was Florida's just a likable team, I think. Uh, Keith Yandel, if you listen to any of the Spit and Chicklets podcasts with him on it, the guy's hilarious. Uh, he's a jokester. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. There was a lot of likable people on that team. And I feel like the Panthers are likable, too, just because, like, at least for my entire lifetime, it seems like they've been one of the less relevant organizations just in all of sports even. And same yep. thing with the Canadians aren't necessarily irrelevant, but they surprised me in the playoffs considering, like, they were a four seed and had, like, all those comebacks and everything. I thought because of that momentum and the comebacks, I thought they could have pulled off an upset against the Lightning. But after the first two games, it was GG's. Yeah, I think you're right. And, like, in Canada, Toronto is always going to be the namesake. That's Canada's team. You heard people get upset about it. But they don't win. They don't win in the playoffs. And so I think from – a fan standpoint, I think it was a very entertaining playoffs knowing that Toronto struggled so mightily uh, once again with a team that they really thought had a chance to go all the way. Uh, you had to know once Tavares left the ice on a stretcher, even with a thumb in the air, uh, that that was pretty much a wrap for the Maple Leafs in the playoffs, um, even if it was early on. But yeah, that being said, the playoffs were nothing but pure entertainment. And it was it was awesome to watch up until the very end. And um, I couldn't. I still can't stomach to watch any of the celebrations. I, I can't watch any of the videos, any of the Instagrams. It's a tough time to be a hockey fan if you're not a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, uh, because they're plastered everywhere on hockey social media. Pretty much. Um, what did you think about the regular season format with only interdivisional play? How did you think that affected the playoffs? I liked it to a certain degree. Uh, up until it started to negatively affect the stars. Um, if I'm talking from that standpoint. Um, we, we, we touched on this uh, on Water Hockey last night. We recorded an episode that will release tomorrow. But we talked once again about how much of a disadvantage the Stars were at missing that first week due to COVID protocol and then missing another full week due to the ice storm, um, ironically enough, an ice storm stopping ice hockey. But they had to make up two weeks of hockey in a month's time on top of playing the regular schedule. Um, I think they did a phenomenal job with how they set everything up uh i will say and i think i speak for most hockey fans it's going to be good to go back to the regular 82 season or 82 game format uh with all of the divisions and then the interdivision rivals kind of meeting up once again um, yes yeah, is, is canada going to open back up by next I, season or i don't want to i don't want to say they are but it feels like they're trying to lift uh restrictions in some provinces throughout um but yeah, I, I hope so. Obviously, for the sake of the game, it'll be really interesting. Um, and, you know, I, I have no desire to go into like a political direction. But obviously, with people being vaccinated or not, um, I saw something today. I can't remember who on Twitter said it, but there's uh, apparently a uh, 
something getting tossed around where if you're a fully vaccinated NHL player, um, you basically don't have to go through any COVID protocols. But if you're not vaccinated, uh, you there will be some stipulations. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Um, again, it's really tough when it's not like basketball and it's not like baseball where you essentially just have one team in Canada. Um, you could make, as we saw this past season, an entire division just out of Canadian teams, which if you're a Canadian, that's like what you wanted to see your whole life. Um, but here in America, it got kind of repetitive. I don't, I don't want to speak for a lot of fans, but you know, it, it was towards the end of the season, your teams are tired and you really, it's how many times can you shuffle lines before the opposing team realizes, okay, we've seen this eight times before because we're playing these teams eight to nine times this entire season. So, uh, Again, I think it's. I think they did a great job. Uh, kudos to the NHL for one, not only getting back to hockey in the bubble and having an entire playoff there, but two, being able to have an entire season, kind of go off with you know obviously some minor kinks here and there, and then be able to run a Stanley Cup playoffs with fans in the stands, whether or not you know it was full capacity or not. Yeah, and I mean I'm a Chicago fan, so I think we went on that great run right at the beginning because we had like some stellar goaltending coming out, but then everyone kind of figured it out. And especially then, I think it was March, we were, revert it was like lightning one week, Florida the next week, Carolina the next week. And then so we just hit this like total rut because they figured out that we weren't supposed to be good, but now we have some type of skilled players kind of coming out. It was just a very interesting situation. And I think it was what made it interesting as well is that when you went into the playoffs, you're like, the Lightning and the Canadians never saw each other until that series. Right, right. Yeah, and I like I said, it was it was a unique season. We got to see some cool things, like the Tampa Bay-Florida uh, series. Like I said, easily one of, if not the most entertaining series of the entire NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, you don't see that if it's a regular 82-game season with the division set as they are. So, uh, But kudos to the NHL, uh, but I'm ready to get back to what it was before, um, especially with the news of, the, the wild basically kind of putting it all on the line and realizing like we've got two years uh, to <laughs> do something before the salary cap basically eats us alive. So uh, happy for that because I think the stars match up well against them. They'll beat them pretty much every time. And uh, yeah, ready for the next season. Yeah. And so what do you think about, you know, the coyotes moving over into the central division as well? Uh, bad move for them. Great move for us. <laughs> they're uh they're in a, they're in a rough they're in a rough spot right now so uh i think they've been sellers for pretty much the last decade it feels like um that being said it'll be interesting to see them i would love to go see a game there uh i know the the arena is says kind of a bit of a, a controversy in in arizona because it is kind of outside of like the downtown area you have to actually like travel to go to it which kind of silly but uh yeah uh I welcome them to the division. I think it's going to be in this. I, I, I'm knocking on wood right now because I'm saying they're going to be easy W's. Um, we said the exact same thing about the Florida Panthers at the beginning of this past season, and the Panthers were anything but an easy W. So uh, looking forward to the uh, to the to the regular divisions being back. Which team surprised you this season and which team was a big disappointment? Uh, Stars were the absolute biggest disappointment out of the entire league. Um, and I, just because I, 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 you watch them so closely, um, I've been very fortunate to cover them for quite a while now and seeing just how good that they could be. And, you know, they were just unlucky, but it was a big disappointment. 
Uh, the most surprising team, just like I mentioned, Florida. Obviously, we're staying in this same division. Um, and I mean, Florida and Montreal. I mean, no one expected Montreal to go as far as they did. Uh, Carey Price essentially put that entire team on his back. And you look at the way that they started the playoffs by sitting, uh, you know, Cole Caulfield uh, amongst uh, a couple of other young guys. And everyone questioned, what are you doing? Even J.J. Watt jumped on Twitter and was like, hey, uh, you need to start Cole Caulfield. And kid comes in, lights out. Just an absolute fireball uh, of energy on the ice for that team. So, yeah, I would say Canadians and the Panthers are probably the two most surprising teams. Uh, unfortunately, the Stars were just the Stars. Just the biggest disappointment in the entire league for me. So, from a, a casual Stars fan perspective, what do you think our chances are of going back to the playoffs next year? Because, I mean, from what I know, it was mostly because of injuries and everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it had to do with injuries. A lot of it had to do with offense, um, which if you're a fan of this team and you have been for quite a while, you'll kind of have to like take a step back and realize five to ten years ago, all we talked about was we need more defense. We need bigger guys. We need a, a tighter blue line. Now we have one of the better blue lines in the NHL for the most part when everyone is healthy. Uh, but, yeah, health is a huge thing. And you also you lost a lot of puck luck. Uh, you know, the Stars set a record uh, in the NHL last year for most overtime losses. And so it's obvious that the pucks just weren't going our way for uh, a majority of the season. So it was really upsetting to see. But, um, yeah, I, I want to attribute it to injuries. I mean, a prime example would be Alexander Radulov. Um, you know, he always had that lingering injury throughout the season, much like Rupe Hintz. Um, and when you're – one of your better offensive weapons is a game time decision every single game that raises flags of concern. So injuries uh, and puck luck were just not on the star's side. Um, it seems like they were on our side in the previous season in the bubble. And with the capacities, hopefully going back to max capacity, um, the stars fans will be treated to a fully healthy team and an extremely dynamic team and an electric team as well. So, uh, yeah, just really unlucky and a ton of injuries. So I have a question that goes outside of the NHL. So you grew up playing hockey, right? Uh, no, I actually grew up oh, playing baseball and golf. Oh, uh, okay. I did I did play street hockey growing up. Um, my favorite story to tell about that is how my dad was like, you know, how every parent says, you know, we have food at home. Um, I wanted a hockey goal or I wanted a net, uh, watch the Mighty Ducks when I was younger. And so he built one out of PVC pipe and fishing wire. Uh, okay. or fishing net, and he was like, we have a goal at home. So, But no, uh, baseball and golf were the sports that I chose growing up. Oh, well, my question was going to be, like, one of my favorite parts about hockey is the shit talk, especially, like, if you watch, like, Letterkenny and stuff. Absolutely. I was going to ask, like, if Texas hockey shit talk is on the same level as, like, the Midwest or Canada or anything like that. Oh, I bet you it's know? on another level, dude, in Texas. What do you mean? Uh, I, I can't so. – I don't know. So I, I, I do skate now. Um, there's beer leagues throughout the entire state. Uh, you know, I, I hope to represent them well. I like to think that Texas shit talk is right there. Uh, the chirps are just as severe. Um, there just might be a little bit of twang behind it. Uh, whereas yeah. up, in, up in Canada, it might sound a little bit different. There might be some A's uh, at the end of sentences. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there, is, there is no shortage of chirping down here in Texas, that's for sure. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, yeah, it happens. Trust me. Yeah, go big or go home in Texas. Absolutely. <laughs> so going back to the um, just how the playoffs unfolded and everything, uh, you mentioned like the Panthers were super surprising. And to me, what I thought 
just like completely blew my mind is I had the Avalanche locked in, written down as a lock for the Stanley Cup. I thought that was a gimme. Because mm-hmm. at one point they had, I think it was 42 to 12 was their combined score over a eight game span. And that was like leading into the playoffs as well. And then it just seems like I don't really know what happened, but they shut down in the later half of the series against Las Vegas. That was just a weird, I don't know what it is with Colorado. Nathan McKinnon at any given point can and has been the best player in the world. Uh, you know, even over Connor McDavid, lights out, and I think that showed with the first round, uh, the first round series sweep um, that the Oilers suffered. Uh, I believe it was against the Jets. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I can't explain it. Um, I think a little bit of it comes down to goaltending. Um, I think they were probably I would rate them around a B, a B minus in goaltending. Um, but again, you've got guys like Landis Gog. Um, McCarr, who is arguably the most beautiful skater of all time, the guy, the way that he handles his edges on the ice is is literally a work of art. And that's not just saying it. Like, if you guys are casual hockey fans listening, um, check out Kyle McCarr. The kid came straight out of college into the playoffs and played like he had been in the league for ten years. Um, it's unreal. That being said, Vegas was hot, and that's the beauty of hockey. You you if you are hot at the right time, you can take down the best team in the world. Uh, and Vegas just happened to have a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit more grit. Um, and then if you look at their goaltending tandem, uh, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury and Leonard, and that to me is arguably the best goaltending tandem in the world. Uh, at any given point, you have two extremely valuable A goalies ready to line up and start. Uh, I'm really hoping that the Stars can kind of mimic that, um, which that's a whole other can of worms in itself. Uh, as you basically have a three-headed monster now, assuming that Ben Bishop is 100% healthy. Um, you've also got Hudobin and obviously Jake Ottinger, who was your B goalie this past year. Uh, it'll be, or this past season, rather. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with them. But uh, yeah, Vegas just, they they dug in. They got gritty when they had to. Uh, you know, a captain like Mark Stone, who has been around the league for years. Uh, I think Nathan McKinnon has been in the league for eight years now, something along those lines. Uh, it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Avalanche took what's happened to them the last two seasons and and made it their their mission to get to the Stanley Cup Finals and finally win it. When they're on, they're the best team in the world, bar none. Uh, but I think they just got, I don't want to say outworked. Uh, I don't think many teams can outwork the Avalanche. I, I just think it was a matter of, again, I'll say it puck luck. And just the way that the the Knights dug in, it showed their veteran presence. Even though they're not a veteran team, they've only been around for a little bit. They haven't really had to struggle much. Uh, they definitely showed that they had a lot of grit on that team. Yeah, it amazes me too, just like how necess- not necessarily consistent, but it, that first year where Vegas was introduced into the league as an expansion team, that wasn't a fluke year. Like I, I ever, a lot of people thought it was a fluke year, just you know, because they were newbies, beginners' luck, whatever. But they've consistently been one of the top teams. It seems like. Do you think that is a possibility with the Seattle Kraken, the the next expansion team, or do you think they're gonna kind of get the shit into the stick? I don't think they're necessarily going to get the shit end of the stick. I think it's going to be really interesting because they are coming in after Vegas. Now, granted, Vegas put together a front office that is easily one of the best in the league. And I think that shows with the coach switch from Gallant 
to uh, I think it's, I can't remember his name from San Jose, uh, Debar. I can't. I, I'm probably going to get chirped for this one because I can't remember his name. But he was San Jose's uh, head coach, uh, a rival of Vegas, and got picked up by the Vegas Golden Knights, and they continued to win. So I think that's very uh, you know indicative of what that front office is like. That being said, I think teams around the NHL are now going to be much more strategic with who they let out there versus who they let out there before, knowing how well Vegas was able to get the players and how well of a plan Vegas had mapped out for the players that they selected. Now, that being said, again, Vegas's roster is vastly different from the roster they had when they started and they got in the league. So, uh, you know, the, your biggest pieces um, to that just literally off the top of my head is Marc-Andre Fleury, and that's pretty much it. Outside of that, you don't have a lot of guys around anymore. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Seattle. I think the fan base is going to be phenomenal, uh, but it's going to come down to the front office and, and what they can put together and how they can keep the team rolling. Did you talk about the expansion draft at all? Sorry, I had to step out. Yeah, well, we were just talking kind of about like uh, how Seattle's going to fare compared to Las yeah. Vegas because, you know, Las Vegas kind of just came in the league dominant yeah, right dominated. from the get-go. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Seattle, it seems like going to have a little bit harder time. So for the expansion, expansion stuff, how does that necessarily work? There's keepers, right? Each team has like a certain amount of keepers and then the rest are up for grabs. Uh, yeah, I mean, it boils down to, um, you know, whoever has no match, no trade clause – I believe are two stipulations that can keep someone from being an unprotected skater. Um, I believe that there are eight skaters that are made available um, unprotected, or I'm sorry, there's eight skaters that you can protect. So it leaves the rest of the team unprotected. Uh, now the way that you can divide that up is up to you, five defensemen, four defensemen, and then four skaters or five skaters, depending really that's, what's going to be interesting is to see what these teams do as far as how they split up the protected and unprotected. So, um, another way that you can be protected is if you're on your rookie contract, you can't be taken by an expansion team. Uh, and then I believe that each team is required to protect at least one goal, um, which I think we can also Ethan Bishop leaving Anton Hudobin exposed as an unprotected player uh, to the Seattle Kraken, which um, is an interesting person of interest, like, well, a person of interest for the Kraken um, up until this past season. I think he might have played himself out of that position to be completely honest with you. So we'll have to see how that goes. Is that yeah, a good or bad thing for the stars? Um, it's a little bit of both. I'm of the bandwagon of, I say trading, to be completely honest with you. Um, I I love Hudobin. He's a fan favorite. The guy is a locker room gem. Every place that he's played, everyone loves him. Uh, that being said, you have Jake Ottinger, who is – more of the style of Ben Bishop than he is of Anton Udovin. Size, strength, stature, the way he plays in the net. Uh, so for me, it would be more valuable to see what you can get for Udovin. He's got a relatively friendly contract with $3.3 million left in the next two years. So if I'm Jim Neal and I'm in the front office, I'm looking at Anton Udovin and I'm saying, okay, who needs a goaltender out there right now? couple of teams that come off the top of my head, Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, you've got Elvis as your starter. You're going to need a B guy. And I think that Hudobin could shoe in and maybe have some kind of package for a Seth Jones. Um, you know, stars, you obviously don't really need defensemen, but it never hurts to have one of the better defensemen in the league. Um, you know, there's just a couple of teams out there that I think could really use a B or a starting goalie as a tandem. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But that being said, if they end up keeping Hudobin and work out some kind of weird deal where I guess Ottinger goes back to the AHL to the Texas Stars, which a lot of fans don't want to see. But if that does happen, uh, then you have the opportunity for Hudobin to kind of take that load off a little bit, split time with Bishop truly, and maybe get his form back, a little bit of his confidence back. And who knows, maybe he has a chip on his shoulder. So we'll have to see. Are there any off-season moves that have already kind of been put out there or do you have any predictions that are going to happen or has anything been surprising? Um, this was kind of stirred around a little bit yesterday and I'm of the same mindset. Uh, don't expect Blake Coleman to be in Dallas next year. Um, I don't think he necessarily doesn't want to be here, but he's played himself to a much bigger contract that I think the stars are going to be able to afford with the cap being so small and not really going up, unfortunately, due to COVID and everything that's happened and the loss of income because of that. Um, you know, uh, they, they signed Blake Como back. You know, you got another veteran guy coming back. That, that was not really surprising. I, I think to me, the most surprising thing with the stars as it stands right now uh, is how little they've been involved in any of the rumors. Uh, Jim Neal is an off-season kind of guy. Uh, you look at Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski, for example, those were both off-season acquisitions. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing that happened at the Stars in the Jim Neal era uh, was the Tyler Sagan trade. And we absolutely fleeced the Boston uh, Bruins. But outside of that, we really haven't made a lot of big splashes during the season with trades. Uh, so it is kind of surprising, but again, it's a special time because of the expansion draft. So uh, it'll be really exciting once the actual draft and the expansion draft wrap up to see what the stars do. Uh, that being said, you know, I believe the draft is only a couple days away. The stars do have the 14th pick overall. Draft picks are always coveted. Uh, you know, it's been said that this is not a super strong draft, but people still scout. They, they still want to pick up someone from a team that could be possibly a part of their future. Uh, so, you know, maybe look for the stars to move that draft pick and package it with Hudobin uh, to sweeten the pot and try and get one of these bigger names to come to Dallas. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go on record. Blake Coleman's not going to come to Dallas. Uh, I think that ship has sailed. He's going to ask for too much money. Uh, he's not going to ask for a true hometown discount. So that's my, I guess, quote unquote, bold prediction for the offseason. So you mentioned the uh, the upcoming draft. It's on the 23rd and 24th. So I'm, I'm not necessarily familiar with how important or how crucial first-round draft picks are in the NHL because, you know, baseball, they could be immediately on the team or they could be sent to double-A baseball, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. So, like, how important are these first-round picks for these teams? I think a lot of it depends on the strength of the draft. And like I said, this is not a very strong draft. Um, you can ask anybody who is a even a casual fan. Uh, there's no big names that everyone has been, like, kind of – tossing around. Uh, that being said, you never know. I mean, you look at guys like Jamie Benn, who was not selected in the first couple rounds. Uh, same thing with Klingberg. I mean, you name it, there are a ton of Stars players that have been absolutely phenomenal that were not selected until the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, but to answer your question, it's a lot like baseball. You know, okay. if, if it's a really strong draft, top couple guys, you'll see them in the team, on the team immediately. Yeah. Um, but you know, after the first round, you may never see them. Uh, or they may, some of them may not even sign with the team 
or their rights get traded. Uh, so a lot of it happens behind closed doors. So I would say it's pretty on par with baseball. It's not like basketball. It's not like football where they can literally go on the field or the court and make an immediate impact. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you're a true number one best player in the world at your age kind of guy. So outside of that, you probably won't see too many big splashes as far as the kids that are selected this year. Okay. Yeah, and there's typically a lot of like first round picks that just go to more developmental role and they do just maybe they'll play a few games in the NHL and a few games in the minors and just kind of go back and forth. But teams typically do see like it's a big developmental jump. And so I know for the Blackhawks, especially, they really try to develop them in the, like the lower leagues a little bit more to get them ready. Because, for example, Adam Boquist, we brought him up a little bit too early. And so now his confidence is kind of shot just because he just had didn't have enough time to develop. And we brought him up a little bit too early. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's fickle. Like hockey is a very fickle sport. Um, you could either be a flash in the pan uh, or you can be the next Alex Ovechkin, you know, Sidney Crosby, you know, stuff like that. It's you never know who you're going to get. And that's what's the, that's the beauty of the sport is a lot of these guys who are the greatest players of all time probably weren't drafted until the later rounds. Um, they just got in the right organization with the right coach who brought out the best in them. Uh, and they became all stars and, you know, their legacy kind of continues on. So, yeah, it, it kind of does not necessarily like football, how like the first round picks can go on the field instantly. But like Tom Brady was a six round pick. So kind of like like that. There's the hidden gems, per se. 199 overall. Love, yeah. I love it. I love the story. I love the pictures. I love how dominant he is. I hate that it's in Tampa Bay. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Title Bay. Uh, Title Bay. I hope not next year, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking about some of those greater, like the better players in the league, you mentioned Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. So for my entire lifespan, those have been the guys. Like those have been the Jordan LeBron of hockey, basically, or of modern hockey, per se. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now I have, in the past few seasons, just nonstop been hearing about Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid. So is he the GOAT now? Is he better than Crosby and Ovechkin? No. Not my. I, I think he is. I think he is. Sing, singularly, like singularity wise, I think he is probably the best player in the world. But again, this is McKinnon and him bounce back and forth for me, because I see things that McKinnon does that McDavid doesn't do, and then vice versa. I see them both doing things that the other guy can't. Uh, now that being said, it's it's really hard to to judge who's better because. If you look at guys like Ovechkin and Crosby, like you mentioned, what do they have that McKinnon and Connor McDavid don't have? They have titles. And even if you look at the LeBron, you know, MJ argument, they have titles. I think McDavid and McKinnon really need to solidify their legacy by, by winning at least one Stanley Cup. Um, I feel like there was a, a breath of uh, relief when – the Capitals won it because Ovechkin finally got his cup after Crosby had just dominated for however many years. Uh, it was it was nice to see Ovechkin finally get his, and that basically solidifies him as one of the greatest hockey players of our era. To me, now would he be in that position if he hadn't won Stanley Cup? Maybe 
I think it favors him, but it's a little bit harder of an argument. But when he does win that Stanley Cup, you're like, yep, he's in there. He took his team to the ship. They won it. He deserves it. Uh, so until McKinnon and McDavid do the same, uh, they're great. They're generational players, uh, but they've got to win at least one. For me to be able to say they're the best players of, of the 2010s, I guess you could say. So I got one question about like the state of NHL itself. Um, in terms of like the core four, you know, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, hockey's dead last. Yeah. Um, but they just ESPN, they just signed a huge deal with ESPN for the TV rights. And so it's going to put a lot more uh, impressions and eyeballs onto NHL. How much, like, what do you think that's going to do for the sport? I definitely think it's going to grow up for a younger, more casual crowd. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't watch Sports Center so much for sports anymore, I feel like. Um, I, I think that it's going to be a great marriage of companies. I really hope that the that ESPN takes the takes advantage of what the NHL hasn't. And, and much like what I talked about, the inspiration behind water hockey is peel back the layers on these guys. I want to see E60s on guys. Uh, you know, I want to see in-depth stories about hockey players and organizations and things of that sort. You know, hockey is definitely the least influential of the big four. But at the same time, to me, and this is obviously I'm a little bit biased. I've got hockey jerseys all on the wall behind me. I love the sport. To me, it's a little bit closer knit of a family than any other sport. I mean, one of the one of the prime examples is you look at uh, the tragedy that struck the hum Humboldt Broncos and how big of an impact that had. That was a junior team in Canada. I mean, that team, I can't tell you how few guys in the NHL probably, one, either played for that team or even knew who that team was because they probably didn't play against him. But the entire sport, not just the league, came together. Um, you know, you most recently had the, the goalie who passed away from the Columbus Blue Jackets. The league just completely embraced the Blue Jackets, and it was just really, really beautiful to see. It shows just how deep this sport is ingrained in people and how passionate they are about it. You know, that's not to take away from any of the other big four, because obviously that there there's a reason that they're up there. Um, but, I mean, prime example is, like, look at baseball. I, I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. Baseball is a joke compared to what it was 10 years ago. You've got yeah. guys putting their pants down on the field to show they don't have any sticky stuff in their pants. You know, you've got it, – it's – the list goes on. Like, with the, the referee or the umpires taking over the games, essentially – being absolutely terrible, um, not being reviewed on calls like balls and strikes. You know, it's just, it's really disheartening because I think baseball is a beautiful sport, um, but I don't think that the family uh, value is quite there like it is in hockey. Um, and that being said, like if, if hockey is not your sport, that's completely fine. I would definitely challenge you to find a local team around you. It doesn't even have to be an NHL team. Um, if you listen to water hockey, you, you hear us preach about the Allen Americans being the best ticket in town uh, because it's affordable, it's fun, it's fast-paced, and those guys may or may not make the NHL one day, but you would never know by the way they play. They play their hearts out every single night. So um, it's it's a it's a really fun community to be a part of. I the way I view it, kind of with like the difference between baseball and hockey, kind of because right now they are definitely on the lower end of the major four, the core four. Um, but for baseball, it seems like it is the same, like a tight-knit 
family per se, but it's a bunch of like old traditional heads, if that makes any sense. Like they're much more rigid about changes and like overall, I just view baseball fans as grumpier people. Whereas like <laughs> hockey, it seems like that tight knit family that's like, hey, like, come on, like watch some hockey, like, you know, like grab a beer. Yeah, I think you're completely right. I, I will say too, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of this with baseball. You've got the old heads that are like, keep it, you know, baseball needs to be outdoors. I hate indoor ballparks. And then you've got the new age that's like, I want to see some flash. Take steroids. Put sticky stuff in your hands. I want to see a 20 to 21 game. Like, show me entertainment. Like, at the end of the day, like, we're trying to be entertained by these sports. So you definitely have a clash. That's the, Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about hockey. Like, to, to kind of give some shine to the morning skate, we're a group made up of a lot of random personalities, um, age ranging from all the way down to college age, all the way up to 40s, like 50s. Um, but you would never know it in our group chat because the common bond is there and we share a love for the sport. And in turn, we share a love for each other as a, as a group. And it really shows. And, and I think that's that's kind of the essence and the beauty of the sport of hockey. Yeah, you raise a good point by bringing up baseball because, like, well, one, Rob Manfred is an idiot, but we didn't get into that. Um, and then, two, like, they're having a really hard time marketing their players. Like, Mike Trout has been the face of baseball for the past 10 years. I don't even know who he, like, who he is, really. Yeah. You know, he's also boring. But, like, hockey, <laughs> when I feel like – because you mentioned, like, you know, ESPN, they should get, EC, like, E60 documentaries and all that. That'd be great because, like, I feel like hockey has really great personalities. Like, Sagan – He's a party animal. Um, I mean, like, I think they should more when they go to ESPN, they should really lean into like some of the partying that hockey that goes on with hockey. Like they've, they've talked about with spit, spit and chiclets with um, Bissonette and all those guys. Yeah, absolutely. About all that. And so I feel like that would probably be, especially with our generation and how much we love like Barstool and like, you know, viral videos and shit like that. Like that could be something that hockey could honestly capitalize off of it if they just kind of lean into it just a little bit. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, hockey, you'll, you'll see the quote. Uh, I don't know if it's a tweet or a meme or whatever, but uh, it's basically like, don't ever drink with hockey players. Uh, yeah. It's a, we're a different breed. And I, I'll, I'll whip myself into it because I've uh, been fortunate enough to have a lot of great friends within the community that played in college. Um, and I can tell you some of the most epic times I've had are with those guys. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a, an ecstatic uh, community of uh, Neanderthals, um, but the girls too. Let's I mean I don't want to sleep on women's hockey here because the NWHL is doing some fantastic stuff right now. Um, you know the uh, the what is it the NIL uh, being able to use the, uh, oh, the name? Yes, yeah. um, yeah. I think that's going to be huge for not only just college hockey but women's hockey too because you're going to get to see a lot of these personalities that you probably wouldn't have and follow them into the NWHL. Um, I do want to bring one thing to, to light. Um, I, I have some friends from a different network, uh, the Slapshot Sweethearts. Uh, we've become friends with them as a show. Um, they brought it to light to us. The NWHL is very unique in that those women all have full-time jobs on top of being professional athletes. Uh, so the, uh, the championship there was, I can't remember, I think it was, it wasn't the Boston Pride. It was the Boston Pride, I believe. Um, one, of the, one of the women on the team couldn't play because she's a police officer and she could not get her shift covered. And so she was missing out on playing for a championship because she had a full-time job. So that That's wild. 
It's it's insane. It just shows you how far back not only the sport is, but like the women in the sport are. Because this is the one sport, in my opinion, that as a woman you can go out there and shit on all the guys easily. Like you saw it with uh, Kendall Cofield um, uh, when she did the All Star game and was neck and neck with some of the fastest guys in the NHL uh, skating. I mean, that's that's to me also what is so beautiful about the sport is, you know, you like to hear the hockey is for everyone mantra that's tossed around during Pride Month um, and, and things of that sort. To me, it truly is because uh, men and women, everyone, your background, no matter where you come from, you can go on the ice uh, and play. And if it's your first time, people around you know that and they embrace it. They're not going to come at you full force. They'll give you some space. They'll allow you to kind of get comfortable. And then as you get better, they'll start to play a little bit more aggressive with you. So it's not just watching hockey, but being a part of the sport is just super awesome. That being said, to Elijah's uh, point, yes, we need to embrace the fact that hockey is a bunch of hooligans, men, women alike. Uh, we love to have fun. There's nothing better to do while watching hockey than drink beer, listen to rock and roll, and have a blast while doing it. Uh, so I think ESPN has a really special opportunity here, and it'll be really interesting to see what they do with it. Um, but I will say, too, if you want more personality, uh, I believe it was Showtime or HBO. One of them used to do a following the winter classic, and it was usually unedited. So hockey players cuss a lot, probably more yeah, yeah. than any other sport. So go watch those. Um, obviously, they're very outdated, but – it's so much fun to see the personalities and they have a mic'd up on the ice during the games. So if you want to hear some epic chirps, that's what you hear most of them. Another thing too, I feel like that's kind of been a disconnect is uh, like we mentioned the there isn't much personality within the media relating to the players. Whereas mm -hmm. in the NBA and NFL, you see these guys are social media personalities in of itself. Like even off the field, they do their own thing. They have their own brand in the media. Whereas I don't necessarily see as many hockey players like, you know, putting themselves out there, making content per se off the ice. Yeah, it's definitely something that I think can and will change. Uh, you know, I, I believe here, you know, locally, Sagan is probably going to be your most marketable guy. Um, he is very, I mean, he's, he's a hooligan, but he's very well-spoken. He's a marketable looking dude. Uh, he's got abs, which I guess are cool, but you know, whatever. it's, you know, whatever. Uh, but that being said, like, yeah, he's a, he's a perfect candidate for, for Dallas to have. But I think that's kind of like what we were talking about, um, pulling our inspiration from Spit and Chicklets is there finally, this is, this is the big, like personality that hockey has needed. You know, you've got Ryan Whitney, you've got Paul Bissonnette. And if you can put your opinions from Barstool to the side, because I feel like Spit and Chicklets are kind of their own entity um in, in a lot of ways and they've gotten more professional as they've grown as a show this is the they are the prime example where i think everyone should strive to be um if you're in the sport or you're out of the sport having that fun that's really all it's about they're having fun and it shows and you can hear it through every episode um, they can have the most outlandish random guests on that may have never played in the nhl but you would never know it because these guys have some of the most amazing stories that you've ever heard. Um, so I think if we can take as a community, the people like spit and chicklets and really put them in the forefront and maybe not take that random kid from TikTok 
uh, that looks like he's 15 years old and smells like cologne uh, from like a mile away. Sorry, but that kid doesn't look anything like someone that would watch hockey. And you can tell him the way he carries himself. Ask any real hockey player, ask any real hockey fan. That kid does not know what he's doing out there. So it's disappointing because, you know, Gary Bettman, in my opinion, is a lot like Manfred. He's tone deaf um, and it shows. So it'll be really interesting to see moving forward what ESPN can do for the for the league. And, yeah, I hope we see more personality. Who, who is the TikTok? Oh, wait, sorry. Go ahead, Alex. No. Josh Richards. Oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I didn't know his name. Yeah, no, all good. Bad moves all around on that part. But I think also why player some we don't see as many players as like a social media influencer kind of person is because a lot of them are from Europe and overseas where like I mean I followed Panarin, but like all of his posts were in Russian. So that really kind of it, yeah. it hindered me, me being able to connect with him through social media in that way. Yeah. No, I mean that completely makes sense. But I think also a lot of it has to do with, you know. As as crazy as hockey players can get, uh, they're pretty they're pretty quiet. Personally, uh, they don't put a lot of their stuff out there. You can see it on social media. I think Austin Matthews might be one of the few guys who's just like super active on social media. You know, he's going to UFC fights with Justin Bieber and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's really uh, indicative of hockey. You play for the the crest on the front of your jersey. You don't play for the name on the back. And I think a lot of guys take that to heart where they see the opportunity to market themselves and be like, you know, Tyler Sagan has his own brand. He has 91 or TS 91, whatever it may be. But, you know, you don't see a lot of guys doing that because I think they're, they're more concerned about what's going on on the ice more than anything. I totally uh, and, agree. Yeah. And you look at guys that play overseas in the off season. Um, there's a league called the beauty league that's run out of Minnesota where a lot of NHLers are up there skating right now, you don't see a lot of like football players. Uh, prime example. I think that's probably the only sport where you don't see them doing a lot of football stuff in the off season. I know there's like Mexican league baseball. You can go down there and play, um, you know, get your reps in basketball. Obviously um, a lot of those guys will go to the private gyms, still play one-on-one, still play five on five, you know, get good workouts in even the uh, summer leagues. Even the summer leagues. I mean, obviously now with the Olympics, which USA get it together. Uh, did, yeah. Yeah. Put Carmelo Anthony in and put his, let his wings fly, let his wings spread. But yeah, I, I really think that uh, hockey is one of those sports that the guys just want to play year round. Uh, you know, they, they maybe make a name for themselves a little bit after the sport. You know, look at Jeremy Roenick and the kind of the deep water that he got in with the comments he made on NBC Sports. Um, look at Brett Hull. Look at Brett Hull when they won the Stanley Cup in St. Louis. Everyone remembers him because he was rubbing his nipples three sheets to the wind after they had won the Stanley Cup singing Gloria, like this buckle, you know? So I think a lot of them wait until afterwards to really make a name for themselves as a social media presence or as a professional presence. But when they're in the league, they've strived their entire lives to get to the NHL. They've made it. So it's their one goal to stay there as long as they can. And that's why you have a lot of guys that are in their 40s, like Gordy Howe, who is in his 50s, uh, Yarmir Yager is not far away from it. I want to say he's 48, 49. He's still playing professional puck overseas. Uh, these guys just want to play until they literally cannot play anymore. So I think that's a big thing too. So I, I mean, again, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, we're in the we're in the day and age of entrepreneurship. 
So I think a lot of these guys are going to take – I can't be the only person in hockey that listens to Gary Vaynerchuk uh, and how passionate he is about entrepreneurship and business. So I'm sure some of these NHL guys will probably take the same uh, take the same stand and become businessmen of their own. I love me some Gary V. Same. <laughs> Listen to him earlier today. All right, before we let you guys go, I just want to hear one bold prediction for next season. And then I know I'm putting you guys on the spot. It's a little bit tough to, to come up with it out of the blue. I'm going to let Alex go first because I, I'm putting her, I want to put her on the spot. So it gives me an extra <laughs> second to think. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll give you an extra second. My uneducated, bold prediction is that the Islanders are going to win the Stanley Cup. That's out of left field, and I love it. That's bold. Okay. My bold prediction, which may not really be bold, but it's really sad that I even have to say this on camera that's being recorded is I don't think Chicago will do well at all. Uh, yeah, right. I don't think that's bold. <laughs> it's hey, bold at least for me. It you're is bold. willing to, to admit the truth, you know. All about honesty here. Yeah. That's Man, that's a tough one. I mean, it's the NHL is just such a hard league to predict in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I will have to say that my bold prediction for next season is Ben Bishop is going to get traded from the Dallas Stars. I think he's going to have a good season. I think that they're going to look at Hudobin with the remaining contract. I think they're going to see Jake Ottinger um, as the goalie of the future, and they're not going to risk the fact that Ben Bishop could literally fall down some stairs and be done for the rest of the season at any time. Um, I think they trade him halfway through the season if they're not contending for a playoff spot. All right. Elijah, you got anything? Um, that I might watch hockey this year. Hey, hey, there we yeah. go. Bravo, That's bravo. That's, That's all we need. Okay, non-related bold prediction is I think that the duo, I guess this isn't really bold because this is a bunch of rumors, but the dynamic duo of Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, that's not going to be a thing next year. No, I look for, I definitely look for uh, Marc-Andre Fleury of the two to get traded, ironically I enough. Agree. I think that's, that's the bold out of the two. I think Leonard's going to be the one that's going to be there for a little bit longer. So, yeah, it's interesting. The cap is small. There's a lot of shifts that's going to happen. There's a lot of shifting that's going to go on. So it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting next couple of weeks for sure leading into training camp. And fingers crossed, Lightning, don't do a three-peat. Absolutely. I, would, and I don't know what I'll do. Most importantly, Pat Maroon doesn't get a fourth Stanley Cup in a row. Yeah, that would be uncalled for. Yeah, I think that would make a lot of people even more upset. All right. Well, thank you guys, both of you, for joining us. Uh, if you guys are listening, make sure you check out all of Jeff's content over at What a Hockey and the Morning Skate. And also check out all of Alex's blogs over on our website, gtdsports.com. Thank you guys for coming. And as always, you know, any hockey conversation comes up, you're the first people we'll hit up, as <laughs> of course. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. All right, we'll be back in just a quick little 10-second break with the rest of the episode. All right. Oh, oh, don't have our thing up. There we go. There you go. Ah, That was nice. Talking about hockey, it's a little different for us. It was a little different, yeah. It was was new. Yeah, you're you're being a little quiet, like a fly on the wall there. Well, you know – I just don't want to talk out of my ass, so I just I'm fair enough. Just yeah. Ask questions that I can ask, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, my, I, I, I tried to do my my research beforehand, but my, my man Jeff was bringing up all the facts. He had 
Yeah, like, all the names, the managers, the history. And I was well, like, that's Damn. the thing about hockey fans. I feel like I feel like you either like you don't really care about it as much, or you're like all the way in it and you're a fanatic. That's like, oh yeah, like same thing, kind of like how we mentioned baseball. You know, with you know baseball fans are baseball fans, so like true. I think it's the same thing with hockey. I don't. Know, I feel like it's different with hockey for some reason. It's it is no, it is a little it's, bit. It's, it's like a different it's, vibe. Yeah, but I don't know how to put my finger on it per se. I don't know, but okay. UFC 264. Yeah, yeah. let's switch gears. UFC. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it, but we're going to. Well, Life it was a, this pain. It was it was a good main card all the way it through. Was. Like the fight card as a whole, it was really really good. Um, Sean O'Malley didn't disappoint. Um, dude, dude, the I, Sugar Show, the Sugar Show is on, dude. It's on. It's in full force right now, man. I don't understand why Dana White matched up Sean O'Malley. Against a UFC debutante who is who well, the, took the fight on eleven days' yeah. notice, like bro, why? You're you're literally just setting that guy up for murder, basically. I mean, yeah, he kind of fucked that guy over up. What was his name? Moot Moot Chris yeah. Moutinho. Moutinho, yeah, something like that. Whatever. Um, hey, but credit to him, he can dude, take a punch. Iron Chin. Iron, iron it's chin. insane. Or he's the Crimson Chin from Fairly Crimson. Dude, That's- O'Malley hit. 230 significant strikes with a 72% accuracy. I've never seen anything like it. Every single punch he threw was, res- was registered as a significant strike. Yeah, that was That's um, insane. It, it was, he put on a fucking clinic, dude. Um, I just feel like, and I wonder that out loud, like the last like two minutes of the fight, I, I, the people I was watching with, I was like, dude, is the ref just going to stop it? Just from like, because O'Malley at that point had clearly won the fight. At two minutes left in the third. Oh, it was like, it was completely over. Yeah, and I was like, when is he gonna like? Is he gonna call this? Like, if it doesn't get to a complete knockout, if he just keeps on nicking, just knocking him like this, because it was ridiculous. Like, I mean, man's got CTE for sure. Like, yeah, like part of me wondered if he was even conscious what he was doing, because like the whole time, ready? This is my Matinho reenactment. My man was just doing this. Just scooting up with his hands up the whole time. And like getting clocked constantly. Yeah, and he would just continue going forward. Like, bop, bop. It was, I it see, was so weird. It'd be interesting to see him fight against somebody that he should actually fight. Uh, yeah, exactly. In his career. Because maybe if he fights somebody on his level, then he'd be at you know, the right trajectory. But Sean O'Malley completely overmatched him. Um, but I think uh, one thing... But, like, back to the TKO, like, some people were, like, questioning the TKO. Like, I don't really think it matters because the fight was fucking over. And at yeah. that point, you got to you gotta call on the guy's health. Like, it, it was for his safety. It's and for I mean, his the, safety. Like, you know, it, the guy that called it was Herb Dean, the best ref in the UFC. Yeah. And O'Malley said on the Pat McAfee show, he was like, yeah, like, I wanted to knock his lights out. So he was getting ready. He knew because he said he had his eye on the clock. And he knew that he wanted to get his TKO in. So he said he had something – he had something waiting for him with a big lights out punch. So, like, honestly, I'm glad. I mean, he's either saying that because that's what fighters do, or he act- he probably did though. The way that he was, no, well, if it's going. O'Malley. He probably did. But well, probably I mean, I will did. say though, there were a few shots where O'Malley definitely went for it and Matino took connected, it. and he just he yeah ate it. I, I have really never seen anything like that. No, there's there's a handful of shots where it's like, how is he still standing? Yeah, it, it, a lot of people were mad on Twitter. I saw like right after the stoppage, people were like, "Herb Dean, what are you doing? Like, why would Herb Dean of all refs do this?" It's because Herb Dean is the best ref. 
he knows if Herb Dean makes a stoppage, I trust Herb Dean. Like yeah, Rogan questioned it a little bit, but it's like I don't know. I I feel like as far as controversial stoppages go, this is definitely the least. Yeah, it, I think the fight was over. The only way that Matino would have won was with a knockout, and there was no shot no, he was going to get a not, knockout. No, it was that was, was not no happening. shot. He um, couldn't land shit. He hit thirty percent of his punches. He couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah just completely overmatched. Um, what was the next fight in that fight card? Was it the Greg Hardy tie to Ivasa? <sighs> yeah. yeah, tie to Ivasa is like now one of my new favorite fighters. I mean, he's one of mine. Even though he made me lose money, that shit was awesome, bro. Dude, first he put on the lights out because that was a fucking dinger of a punch. Oh, um, yeah. He, we clipped him. It was perfect he, timing. He yeah. got him right in the eye, dude. Because, like, I feel like the way that he punched him, bro, he, like, forced him to the ground after he made initial contact. He hit him, and then he, like, knocked him down with his follow-through, which was just – electric and then he got in the fucking hammer on the ground which is dude, always hardy was fucking crying bro dude did you see his eye afterward he was... i mean <laughs> he, it was bad it was already but... swollen by the time they were doing the uh, the winner's announcement it was awesome um <laughs> awesome and then he hardy chugged like point. five beers out of shoes which is uh, i want to see that again obviously i want to know how sanitary that is i There's, don't care there is no way that can be clean that's gross but I'm, I'm just surprised. I mean, you know, with COVID and everything, I'm surprised that, like, Dana didn't say shit. Like, hey, bro, don't do that. I mean, I guess it's for the show, you know? Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah, dude. I, it I mean, makes me want to do a If he wants bro. to do it, I'm probably not going to do that. Um, the, the gross, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of gross. I'm like, those are all dude shoes, too. So I guess um, he gets a free pass for not being horny. Yeah. So well, now, now he's going to be expected to do this every knockout, every win. Yeah. If no, you know, if no, I watch no, his fight, he, that's what I'm looking he's for. going to. That isn't the first time he's done it either. Okay, well, that's probably this been is the first time I've noticed. Yeah, this is the first time. Well, it's the first time I'm pretty sure he's been on a main fight card. So it's like the world but, is finally seeing him. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So that was, I don't know. That was that was it was electric. Um, there was also a, a a female fight on the card, Irene. Aldana and Yana, however the fuck you say it, Kunitsyaka. That was kind of a forgettable fight. It was I very remember, forgettable. I don't remember. Um, I, it was I around it. one TKO. That's right. What? Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't watched, super crazy. Yeah, I watched it and I really couldn't tell you. Yeah, but um, next up though was Gilbert Burns and Stephen Thompson, which was a great fight. It was a really good fight. It basically went exactly – as I said in our last episode, if it's going to be stand-up, Stephen Thompson's going to be in control. But as soon as it goes to the clinch, as soon as it goes on the ground, Gilbert Burns is going to rack up points, which he did. Gilbert which Burns held did. his own in the stand-up. He, he can fight, bro. He's a stand-up fighter, too. I think Gilbert Burns is – he is like – I don't want to say an elite fighter, but he is top tier. He's one of the best. But the thing is, he's a welterweight, and Kamaru Usman is also a welterweight. He's not beating Usman in that. I mean, he definitely redeemed himself a little bit. It kind of um, reminded the world of why he was in that title fight. Um, but uh, he's just not in the same league as Usman. Yeah, because like I, a lot of UFC fans even forget, like, Stephen Thompson may be old, but he got his nickname Wonder Boy for a reason. Like, he is he's a legend. He's going into the UFC Hall of Fame. He's one of the all-time greats. So, like, for Gilbert Burns to come out, you know, get a win after a loss, that was that was impressive. I think Gilbert Burns is one of the fighters to look forward to because he's kind of young too. I don't know exactly how old he is. 
Yeah. But he's younger. He's maybe late 20s, early 30s, I think. Um, no, it was definitely a good fight to watch. I think that's me. I'm saying that mostly because I had money on Burns and the over. Um, so it went exactly how I wanted it to. Uh, but it was also just it, it was just an all-around decent fight. And then after that, we had the shit show that was Poirier versus McGregor. I still can't believe that none of the books, all the books, like counted that as a TKO. I, just, I, dude, I immediately texted the bookie and was like, bro, this is, I may have been a little bit hammered, but I was like, bro, this is bullshit. Cut, cancel this, bullshit. refund this. This is stupid. And then he was like, you're telling me that if you go to Vegas and place a bet, they're just going to cancel it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah they, they, they do yeah, it. Like they do it all the no, time. They've done it. Like, I remember they did it at the Purdue Wisconsin no Purdue Minnesota game. Do you yeah. remember that? Or yeah, the, they've done it for like bogus referee calls or yeah. like stuff like that. Like, I don't understand probably because I think the only reason why they didn't do it is because I mean, so much money was put on this fight. So much money, and on top of that, most of the public bets were on McGregor. Yeah, so like they would have lost a big payday, and they didn't want to do that, so they just went like, "Oh yeah, Poirier won," which is like. I guess, but it just put put a really sour taste in my mouth. And it's kind of like if you it guys, did. if all these sports book want to grow gambling so much and want to attract the casual gambler, this type of shit for new gamblers to do that as like some of their first bets um, would make them not want to gamble anymore. So like, oh I for just, sure, if that was my know. first time betting UFC, I'd be like, fuck this. Yeah, I would be like, I'm not doing that shit. Yeah, I mean, that in was a bogus. In a lot of ways, that is the nature of gambling. Like bad beats happen, but at the same time, it's kind of like that was. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, I don't, it, it, I don't like it. I think McGregor got robbed. I don't want to say he got robbed because I mean, that's just how the business goes. I mean, everyone shit happens. Saying, so Poirier was definitely. I mean, he was. He won the first round, but he everyone's did. talking like Poirier beat the shit out of McGregor. That was not the case. It was Dude. a fight. It I can't believe that. It literally blows my mind that people are saying, like, Dustin dominated round one. No. If you watch the first two minutes in the stand-up, Connor won the stand-up. The as, second, as soon as he tried to do his guillotine shit, Dustin started throwing his elbows, which was fucking lethal. He's a monster. Yeah. He's no, a, yeah. Him throwing down those elbows, I was scared. Connor, I was very surprised like to see Connor commit to the guillotine as hard as he did. I think if he went for the guillotine and then slipped out, he would have been fine. But he hardcore committed to it and then lost it, which is what led to Dustin getting on top. So Bruh. before that moment, though, Connor was in control of the fight. Connor mm -hmm. looked better. Connor looked like himself. He was fighting, standing up, boxing like himself. But again, I mean, he's not a ground fighter at all. And no. of course, Poirier was going to win that. No, what pisses me off, though, is I had $130 on McGregor. So I was nervous as fuck watching the end of the first round. There was like 25 seconds left, I think, and he was still against the cage getting elbowed. And I was like, I can't watch this. I'm going to go pee. And when I come back, the round better be over. And I come back and his fucking ankle is broken. I Yeah, so I didn't even get to see it happen live. Uh yeah, I, I can't I can't believe it, dude. I'm just I'm literally just so depressed. You know, after that happened, everybody that I was watching with, we just stood there in awe watching the screen. Just sad. I, I really couldn't believe it. I was so, so confident that Connor would win this fight. That being said, I will drive to Dana White's house. I will send him strongly worded emails, letters, whatever it takes. I demand a fourth fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. It has to happen. I don't care 
who complains about the money grabs or the flashiness or it's not the correct fight to make? Fuck that. I want to see it again. Everybody wants to see it again. Connor, I will bet my mortgage on Connor McGregor to win fight number four. It's a guarantee it's happening. If they fight. I um probably I would say that they would fight again. Um Poirier is definitely gonna fight um Charles Olivier. Uh first. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean that'll be while McGregor's in rehab. So um if Poirier wins that fight, then he'll probably have one um what's a title defense fight, and then after that he'll probably fight McGregor. Because McGregor yeah. will probably have one fight in between that. Fight a guy that's probably ranked like nine or tenth, kick his ass, and then be like, "All right, give me the belt again." And they're going to give him the belt challenge because he's Conor McGregor, and everyone wants to see that fourth fight. So, um, yeah, exactly. And I think though it may, I don't know what Dana's going to do because Dana could just as easily give Conor the fight, like I said, because everybody wants to see it. But realistically, yes, Poirier is going to fight Oliveira for the title. Well, he already said. Okay, that's the already, they already said that. He said that before the fight, that the okay. winner of this fight will go for the title. Yeah, okay, well, that makes sense. That's that's kind of what a lot of people thought. I think, though, now with McGregor losing, I don't know what that does, bro, because McGregor, he's not even ranked. Oh, no, yeah, he is. He's seventh. Sorry, I'm looking at the rankings. He dropped from the number two contender to the number seven contender. So out of this list, I mean, you got Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler may be the fight for him. For that. That would be interesting, actually. For McGregor? McGregor, yeah. Chandler's Chandler hype right now. He's a wrestler, right? Um, Not necessarily. Or I'm thinking of the guy that he fought. He's the guy that beat Dan Hooker with like yeah, that yeah. overhand. Yeah. 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 I remember watching that fight. Um, Who else is yeah. in that division? There's Rafael Dos Anjos, um, Dan Hooker, like the guy Chandler beat. But- he, might fight, he might fight Hooker. Dude, I hope I he see, fights Hooker, bro. I can see that. I can see him fighting Hooker. Yeah, because that would be a great stepping stone, which is ironic to say that McGregor needs a stepping, a stepping stone, stone. But he does right now. He he needs that. I mean, yeah. he, he needs a fight he can win to you know get him back in the top of the rankings. So I think that would be not, great. And that's not Cerrone, his literal teammate. Yeah, yeah. Another interesting one, though, would be Islam Makachev. He's fighting this weekend. And he's on a hot streak. He, oh, he's up. He's on the up. Yeah, he's on the up. He, he might honestly give Connor a run for his money just because he's insane on the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see him fight another ground fighter though. I Me neither. See him fight a brawler. Like, yeah. I think that if they're gonna, if Dana's not tied to who Connor's gonna fight next, don't make it a guy that's gonna take it to the ground because that's just stupid. Oh, could like, be Kevin not- Lee? Kevin Lee is number 11 right now. Kevin Lee is a, what's it called? Kickboxer. So, okay. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. I, I think McGregor know. would win that, though. We'll see. Who fucking knows anymore? Who knows what that guy really does? I mean, since he won, a, since he got $100 million for fighting Mayweather, he hasn't really done shit. Literally nothing. Yeah. Um, so it's like kind of hard to tell how, you know, you really do have to question how committed he is to actually. Being in the ring, he's fully committed to promoting his fights and making sure yeah. that he breaks pay-per-view records, and he's really good at it too. He's the best in the business at that. But is he really committed to fighting itself? I think I, I think know. he is. I think we talked like we talked about last week. There was a difference between Connor in the first in the second fight. I mean, and Connor in the third fight. He was much nicer, much more 
respectable in the second fight. Whereas this time he was literally saying, hey, your wife sent me DMs on the way out. So like, I think even though he may seem like he's distracted by the media aspects of everything, I think he is in the zone. I think when he says that psychotic mental shit, like I'm going to kill you, I think that is because he is like, he has convinced himself that that's what's going to happen. He has convinced himself that he is like this above human entity that can conquer everything. Because if you really look at his upbringing, where he started to where he is now, it's insane. Like, why wouldn't he believe he can conquer the world? You know? So like, I think that's just kind of who he is and that's how he gets in the zone. Is that probably whole performance? Yeah. I don't know. We will see. Oh, before we move on from UFC though, did you see uh, what happened with Addison Ray at the UFC? Yeah, bro. People were big mad. Yeah. Um, Dude, people need some fucking hobbies on Twitter. I mean, like, okay. Did she earn that job? No, but in the sense of that, she is a celeb. She's a celebrity, so she's a celebrity getting the job. And you know, some horny teenagers will now watch more UFC shit because Addison Ray is there. Yes, she's a celebrity. You're not lying. You know, I think you know. I think somebody said like, is she going to be covering you know the hardest hitting journalism stories in UFC? Absolutely fucking not. She's going to go up to him and ask him the fucking. Like the the fluff questions of you know, and then since they're UFC fighters are talking to a celebrity, they might give them give even more fun answers because they know that Addison Ray be, uh, being a reporter for the UFC is kind of a joke, so they can treat the interview like a joke and it'd be more that fun is true. for us. That is so true. More like, media content, yeah, yeah, just kind of like you know, more fun content, more more TikTok content, I guess. No, um, I get that. You know, I get that. I I made a TikTok about the situation um at gtdsports.com you should follow it uh but and basically what i said was like i totally understand why the ufc chose her like you said she's famous she's hot there may be some horny teenagers that want to watch the ufc because of it she's gonna get eyes she's gonna get impressions right but i'm sure you can relate to it to to an extent you didn't necessarily do broadcast journalism in particular but you know from a journalism student How do you feel knowing that, you know, you've been doing this work for the last four or five years, you know, you've been writing blogs, interviewing people, you know, going out into the field. And then she's a TikToker who dropped out of college and she gets the job just because, you know, like I I get why she got the job. It's just frustrating. It is frustrating because it's the same thing as Jason Witten getting a job in an NFL broadcast booth. Yeah, it... I don't know why, but it, it really didn't bother me as much. And I think that's probably because um, I get so annoyed with Twitter over all the wars that they fight for everyone. It was uh, extreme. You're right. It and was it's kind of like, uh, get the fuck over it. Like, who? Like whatever. Like, wh- how is this really affecting your life? Like, yeah, like I, I wasn't going to leave a comment like, oh, my yeah. God, Addison, how fucking dare you? Yeah, like, I don't know. Everyone's so privileged. And like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, when you get fucking 35 million Instagram followers, you could be privileged too. Yeah, okay? honestly. Yeah. You, that's it's it's you know, I don't know. It's, when one Instagram post can make a company five hundred thousand dollars, you can yeah, you can say what you want. You got some fucking clout, you know yeah. what I mean? Like made that that's a skill in and of itself, you know. 
And another thing too, I'm going to say, and you can probably attest to this, that people that go to school for journalism are fucking weird. <laughs> like, uh, I would say not to shit on a lot of the kids that we went to school with, but I'm going to shit on a lot of kids that we went to school with. A lot of them fucking suck. Like, it's a click. Journalism, click. journalism kids are literally a step up from band kids. A lot of reasons why. Hey, I'm both, man. What are you trying to say here? I'm talking about like the high school band kids. No, College I know. bands. You know, Actually, you know what I mean. Surprised, or, dude. You know what? I'll change it. I'll step up from theater kids. That's what I was gonna say. That was That's I didn't tough. mean to say band. I'm gonna say step up from theater. They're in the same fucking ballpark. They really are because they're kind of dramatic. They're kind of I don't know carry themselves in some of the same ways. And it's kind of like I don't know. You know, I get it. Like, no, I get. Like I get Jake what you March mean. on Barstool. Who? Jake Marsh on Barstool. Mm, I don't know that is on the part of my take. I don't know. They're all like that. They're all like I don't know. There's just something off about them socially. I will say that. I mean, you're not wrong about band kids. I mean, I can speak from experience, bro. College band kids are a different breed. Like, yeah. So, yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to fucking one of those fucking nerds talking to their product, talking to their UFC fighters. They want somebody cool like Addison Ray to talk to them. I don't know. I think, yeah, I but I mean, there's always, kid. I mean, look at it though. There's always like the Stephen A. Smiths. Stephen A. Smith was a journalism. He, you know, he covered high school sports well, for like three years in college. Be, there's going to be, you know, a few yeah there's like i would say 20 percent of journalism majors are cool yeah that's a yeah that's a good number i would i would probably agree <laughs> one out of every of five yeah one out of every five are cool the rest are like first of all how did you get into the school second off why am i in the same class as you because you're out of this world yeah well i mean i remember even i know you didn't work for student media directly mm -hmm. but like dude student media was a cult it was like if you weren't in it, you weren't in it, basically. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, that's why it's part of the reasons why I never got in it is just because I stopped it. I'm I mean, done. Yeah. yeah, I didn't feel comfortable in that environment in a lot of ways. So it's like I just I just didn't do it. Yeah, that's why we're here on GTD now doing our yeah, own thing. doing our own thing, and I can write how I want to. I literally made a comment about how Big Ben could eat my buttered ass cheeks, and you <laughs> I like that it. one. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I think for all the people that are crying about Addison Ray being a reporter for the UFC, don't you all have anything better to do? I get it. I I get both sides of it, kind of, just because like I'm in I mean, that group. That that comment about I went to broadcast journalism school for a whole three months is pretty fucking tone deaf. Yeah, that's that's and the main like, thing. Is that's the one thing where I was like, okay, fuck you. I went to journalism school for four years, and I'll never get that job. Don't make that brag. Um, that was kind of the point where I'm on your side, but on the other hand, it's kind of like. If you just didn't make that comment and you just said, sorry that they wanted to hire me because I'm famous is really no, exactly. I think that comment is really what started the whole uproar over everything was because it did sound a little bit condescending. It was definitely tone deaf, like you said. So yeah, I think that is what sparked it all. Yeah, probably. But whatever. Twitter will find something to be mad about tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Well, moving from one disappointment to another Euro 2020 wrapped up this past week. We had Italy and England in the final. It was a really, really good game. It was kind of boring, though, scoring-wise. It was one-to-one, -one, went into overtime, drawed in overtime, and then took it to PKs. And, man, same thing as McGregor. I'm just, I'm just sad. England hasn't, England hasn't even been in a major cup final since 1966. This was a 55-year drought on the line. And they choked it away. 
in classic England fashion. They were they were winning the penalty kick. All they had to do was put it away, make it. Marcus Rashford misses it off the left to the off the post. Did you watch the final? Yeah, I watched the PKs. I was yeah. at the lake all day on Sunday. Yeah, dude, that was rough, man. And and did you uh? So the last penalty kick when it came down to it, um, Italy had three, England had two. England had to make their last penalty to send it into a sudden death. And uh, this is this is a little sad for me because it was an Arsenal player. Uh, Bukoyo Saka is a 19-year-old. Like, just remember that. He's 19 years old, starting for England's national team, which is already insane, you know. But he went up to the penalty spot, bro. And the fact that they had a 19-year-old take the final penalty blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe it. The weight of a country was on his shoulders. Yeah. And he missed. He got saved. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that, uh, fuck you, England. You're not better than America. Because <laughs> the way that their reaction to them losing and all that racist shit that happened, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Cool. Now we have the moral high ground because uh, <laughs> I don't want to like – what's the best way I could put this? Um I think it's awesome that anytime we make a joke about tea and crumpets on the internet, they instantly go for like school shooting. Fuck you, America. Like you racist piece of shit. And then a 19 year old kid misses a fucking penalty kick in a little game of soccer. And they fucking put racist murals every uh, race uh, deface, put racism on murals, um, throw a black dude in the Thames river. I mean, go death threats, death threats, to black people, I mean, it's just like, oh, cool. Glad to know that you're just as shitty, if not more shitty than we are. Fuck you, England. Dude, there, there is a That's lot of get. issues in the Premier League yeah. like with, I with mean, racism. No, well, just no fucking wonder why England had this global empire and then lost all. It's because they suck, and they think that they're better than everyone, and they're not. They're fucking trash. It seems like you got an agenda against England. No, it pissed me off. It pissed me <laughs> off. Because they, they always try to take the high road of, oh, we're England and like we're so much better than the whole world and we're polite and we're polite society and we're better and we wear it on our chin. And I then a 19-year-old black kid misses a fucking penalty kick and they decided to go full-on riot for the, you know. I, you're, no, I, I, get, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I mean, it, it wasn't all bad, though, with the 19-year-old. The you know, there was definitely that side of the fans that like, I've even seen a support account. It's like they made an entire social media account called Saka support account because like he's gotten a lot of shit, you know, he's gotten a lot of hate. And I remember just watching after he missed the penalty kick, he like it, dude, it made me emotional, man. He was like bawling his eyes out, like hugging his coach, like just saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And like, bro, that shit got to me, man. It was like, I couldn't imagine being in that position, you know, like, dealing with all of this shit that he's dealing with now from the fans and the backlash and everything. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine being 19 and having that kind of weight on me. Yeah. The fact that he's yeah. even at that level at that age is amazing. And it kind of brings me to the, like, my next question is like, again, we've talked about this in the previous two episodes is like how shitty of it is to win into game off of PKs. It's like, on one hand, it's like it sucks, but like you can't expect these guys to play forever, to play for four hours. Like they're gonna die of exhaustion. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like their heart's gonna explode, you know. 
Um, so I don't know. Do you think that maybe I was kind of thinking about this, a possible solution, like maybe back up the PKs for when it's overtime, not for when it's like normal penalties, but like back it up like 10 yards. Oh, okay. You mean kick from farther? Yeah. Hmm, that, I don't know. That would be interesting. Cause I mean, you're right. Penalty kicks are like near impossible to save, but would it make it too easy. That's what I'm, I think it may, maybe moving it back like a foot or two would do something. I don't know though. I like, you're right. It is shitty to end a game on penalty kicks, even though you have to end the game somehow, you know, you have to come to an end overtime hasn't scored. You got to figure out a way to find a winner. That being said though, in a penalty kick situation, England and Italy could have done that a hundred times. Italy wins 50 of them. England wins 50 of them. You know, like it's literally, it could be a coin flip because those are all of them. Every single player on that field is a world-class player, the best in their country, you know? So, I mean, like, obviously they're, they're good. They're skilled, they're tactical players. So they should be able to come through and penalty kicks. So it's just like, whoever's on their game at that time gets it. And it's, it's wild that like, a, a Euro final could be decided on that. You know, it, it is kind of shitty, but it is what it is. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of just like you're in between a rock and a hard place. With yeah. That. Well, also we talked about like Saka, how it was upsetting. He missed the last penalty. We can't forget. He wasn't the only one that missed, you know, Marcus Rashford missed. Rashford was worse. Ma- Rashford missed the target. He didn't even yeah. hit the goal. No, he Saka's the right, at least was yeah. a good shot. Yeah, yeah, and so Saka was just really like – Saka just got, you know, the goalie just guessed right. Yeah. Rashford like it, just fucking missed. It was an amazing save too. I mean, it, Italy's keeper, Donnarumma, has made a name for himself in the past few seasons. He's one of the best in the world. He actually – this morning, I think it was, uh, he got announced he just signed with PSG. So PSG is going to be insane. Neymar, Mbappe, Donnarumma now. it's They're stacked, yeah. But another thing, I'm, what I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know, everybody's upset about Saka, and I think that's kind of overshadowing the fact of how amazing and spectacular Jordan Pickford played, England's goalkeeper. He saved two penalties, and one of them was a penalty where if Italy made it, they won. It was he had to save it, and he saved it. So you always ask a goalkeeper to save one out of the five, just one out of five penalties, and he saved two of them. So like. That it's he played well. It's just kind of shitty. It is what it is. You know the whole yeah. thing. It is what it is. There's a week of bad beats, man. Yeah, a ton of bad beats for him. Speaking of bad beats, I didn't bet on the the Bucks game, but what is the Bucks score right now? Um, last time I checked, it was Phoenix was winning by five, fifty-two to fifty-seven. Oh, they're still up by five, fifty-nine, fifty-four. Yeah, I didn't I didn't bet on basketball though, so that's good. Yeah, I um. I don't know. I just I decided not to bet this week. I'm really glad I didn't bet on the home run derby because I wanted to bet on Joey Gallo. I did. You did? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to. I was like, ooh, Joey Gallo is plus 400 on our book. And I was like, that's enticing because he's our boy and he's he hits fucking bombs. And so – Dingers all day. Yeah. But I, that's another bad beat of the week because like literally uh, his last second home run – didn't count and the ball was halfway through to on the way it was it was midair yeah was, i saw that the picture you sent yeah. me that it yeah. took me a while to figure out what i was looking and for but the other guy i think it was mancini or trevor stories um mancini yeah yeah it was his last 
home run that counted. The fucking ball was in the dude's hand, and it counted when there was zero seconds on the clock. It's like, how does that add up? Yeah, they're just not being continuous with it. I yeah, know. I had I had money on Gallo though. Yeah, so just a week of bad beats in between McGregor, Gallo, and uh, England. I, feel I also like. had though. Uh, I had a good beat per se. I bet a uh, a unit on no runs in the first inning for the All Star game, just because I was like Otani's on the mound, Max Scherzer's on the mound. No shot, bro. No shot, and it hit. So that's that. Did you watch the All Star game at all? This is probably the first time I've watched. MLB All-Star Weekend in, like, I don't know, 10 years. I watched, like, the first part of the Home Run Derby, and then Gallo was out, so I just kind of stopped. And then I wa- I didn't watch the All-Star game. This is kinda, I don't know. All-Star games, I never watched any of them, to be honest. I thought it was fun. I think the MLB did a little bit better at marketing it towards the younger audience. I will say, though, that I did see the uniforms that they had, and it, they fucking sucked. And the players shit on them, too. Like, the players so liked bad. having... The players liked having everyone wear their own uniforms. Like they wear like NL or AL either wears their home whites or home grays. And that's awesome. It should stay that way um, yeah. because it's co- super colorful. It looks cool. And it's truly like the player representing their team. And yeah, so that's exactly. why stay that way. And on top of that, the new uniforms were f- so ugly. They were um, terrible. They were terrible. And it just goes to show just how bad of a job Nike has been has done since they took over MLB. And honestly, I'm gonna say it. Maybe some people disagree, but I'm. I think Nike, since they've taken over football, basketball, and baseball, has done an awful job collectively with all sports. I think. I I think that. Um, I haven't really paid attention if, enough. If well, I, I'm a big uniform guy, I just love it. When new uniforms come out, like I'm about it. Mm-hmm. And every single like new uniform that Nike has made for teams, especially the NFL, have been trash for the most part. Like the only one that's been good is the LA Chargers new uniforms when they uh, for this season, which are those are fire. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can here's a, some bad one, and the only other good one too is probably Seattle Seahawks since like 2012. Um, but other than that, I mean, they did the Bucks one. They did the Jaguars one with the two tone helmet. They did. I the, liked uh, that one. I liked it. I liked the okay. two tone. Okay, they did all the color rush jerseys, which for the most part were all horrendous. I bro, okay, what? I the, love the color the, rush. The baby diarrhea mustard one. The lime green Seahawks one. The purple Ravens one. The orange Miami Dolphins one that they had. I mean, like, I I just don't. I like those um, a lot. I the, think Atlanta Fal- the, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they're unique, but they're not good. I don't know. I like the color. You know, every time every time I play Madden, I play with a color rush jersey. Ew. <laughs> um, Literally, if I'm the Rams, I pick the the yellow one. If I'm the Titans, I pick that bright blue one. Um, my my anyway, favorite though is the Bengals. The all yeah, white. The Bengals get out. the white helmets, and those would be really ice. Oh, that's um, all we need. But anyway, I mean, like the Atlanta Falcons are, are awful. Um, and then in baseball, the City Connect jerseys that have all come out have been really bad with Nike. Those and have I been think, bad, yeah. And I think that a lot of the NBA City editions that they've done have been half good, half bad. All the Miami ones are awesome. But like yeah. outside of that, like all the ones that they've had for Dallas so far have been so bad. No, you're right. I agree on that. But the Color Rush, I don't know. I like the Color Rush, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. 
uniforms are kind of just subjective though. I think it's really just based on whether you like flashiness or, you know, you kind of just want something standard, which is another, like we talked about with baseball and everything, how baseball old heads are very traditional. So they would probably like the blank uniforms. Whereas like the younger generation probably likes that little bit of flash, you know, the little bit of color. So maybe that, maybe that's why they're doing it, but you're right. The, the city connects uniforms for the MLB have been absolutely terrible. And a lot of the city jerseys for the NBA have been pretty disgusting. Yeah. I don't know, but that's just, that's how I feel. I feel like, I don't know. No, I get Nike, it. Nike, Nike is a monopoly on the, on the sports apparel world. And I don't know. They need to loosen that grip. Adidas should step up. God knows oh. it's not Under Armour. No, um, definitely not. Not Puma <laughs> either. Puma's not as bad. New Puma's Valley. fine for soccer. Puma's good Puma's for, soccer. for soccer. And golf too. Yeah, they are really good for golf. But I don't know. Well, back back to the um, All Star Weekend. Did you uh, did you see the MLB's TikTok that went like super ultra mega viral? Of uh, they literally posted, you know, JoJo Siwa, right? Yeah. So they posted a fucking thirst trap of JoJo Siwa. Like it wasn't really a thirst trap, but like they had it like zoomed in, like slow mo, like with the wind on her hair and her like twirling a bat, and, like. The song in the background was like, best I ever had, best I ever had. And like, it has like 10 million likes on TikTok or something because everybody is like, if you would have told me three years ago that the official MLB social media account would be posting a thirst trap of Jojo Siwa, I would have told you you're crazy. So it's just like, isn't she like 13? She's like 16, I think. She's 16 now. I don't, I don't know. know. The only time I ever see any of her stuff is that one Walmart ad that always pops up on TikTok. Yeah, she's she's been a little bit more in like TikTok and stuff, kind of. She she played in the celebrity softball game. Cool. So I guess that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> Good for JoJo. Yeah. I just thought the TikTok was hilarious. It was really weird. Yeah. Let's uh let's hit some love it or loathe it. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. You want to take uh, the first round or me? Um, let's see here. Hey, I'll take, I'll take the first, yeah, I'll take the first set. You got the second set. All right. Rob, Rob Manfred said that there is a possibility of eliminating the new extra innings rule. I love this. And I also loathe this. I love the extra innings rule. Ironically, it goes against all tradition, you know, all the old heads of baseball, but I really like it. I think it increases the pace of the game. I think it, you know, it's a little bit flashier. Fans are going to like that more. It makes it easier too. You know, you're not going to have those 22 inning games. But what I loathe is I loathe the fact that Manfred is being so wishy washy on this rather than just making a decision and sticking with it. So, yeah, that's worst that's commissioner in sports. Of course. Um, MLB All Star Game uniforms suck. We already talked about that. Yeah, loathe that. They were god awful. Um, this is crazy. Uh, Richard Sherman arrested for burglary, domestic violence, denied bail. So obviously I loathe it, but I want to talk about it a little bit because this is fucking crazy. Like Richard Sherman is the last person in the NFL. I would have thought would ever get in any kind of trouble. Seriously? You know, I don't know exactly the situation. His, uh, his wife came out and commented that like nobody was harmed. Richard didn't do anything terrible so like i don't know 
exactly what happened. We'll probably find out more whenever he's released tomorrow. But it's kind of crazy. Richard Sherman spending night uh, spending a night in jail. It's wild. Yeah. All right. And um, Stephen A. apologizes for comments about Shohei Otani. Yeah. His comments were um, about how Otani's the face of the game and that um, he doesn't even speak English. Oh, yikes. Yeah, I didn't hear about those comments. Um, Love it or loathe it. Well, I mean, obviously I loathe the comments, but you know, I respect the fact that he apologized. But yeah, you got to know better not to not to say that. That's just I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Moving on. His apology is pretty trash too. Yeah. Yikes. All right. Anyway, switching over to you now. First up, we got Big Ben Roethlisberger is going on a diet that is quote unquote stricter than Tom Brady's. Okay, I love this. It's so funny. Um, I think it's so funny that at thirty stage at this stage in his career at age 39 he thinks that oh if i just have a really strict diet this offseason i can go out and perform again and play for another five years um <laughs> like no dude that's not how you it's not how it works um brady started ch- started changing his diet all the way back in 2004 um it's i don't know if it was as strict as the one he is on now but he's been at least on the tb12 diet that he's famous for since like 2012 yeah um so I just thought that was funny. Big Ben, you're still going to suck this year. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's trash. He has a noodle arm now. All right, next up, we have Luka Doncic was announced as the cover athlete for 2K22. I love this. Um, it's crazy. So when I was checking uh, tr- what was trending on Twitter today, I saw like NBA or 2K22 cover athlete revealed. And um, – I was like, ooh, I hope it's Luca. Like, I wonder, I bet you it's Luca. And then I clicked on it and it was. So I felt really cool that I kind of guessed it right, I guess. I don't I'm a Mavericks fan, so it's not too much of a guess, but like, still. Like, I clicked on it. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> like, yeah. Hell yeah. So, I mean, I'm not even cool. a Mavs fan. I'm, I'm happy to see Luca on the cover. I think he deserves it. No, I, I think he deserves it at this stage in his career, especially like what he's done and where he's going. Like, yeah, he's, he's the logical choice. Yeah. All right, next up, we have Lionel Messi signs a new long-term five-year deal with Barcelona where he's taking a significant pay cut. All right, I love this. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it, but I think that's crazy that around this – it was at this time a year ago that we thought that Messi wanted to leave Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And now he's definitely staying and most likely going to be a lifer unless he decides to spend two years out in the MLS. Yeah, Definitely. Which he may retire in the MLS eventually, regardless. Um, yeah. And last but not least, Kawhi Leonard turns out to have partially torn his ACL. I love this one. It's all love today. Um, yeah, I guess this is what why he didn't come back and play. Kawhi's just, he gets weird when he injures when he gets injured. Um, don't really know why, but um, I guess we now finally know that. He, he didn't return in the playoffs, so that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week. All right. Well, thank you guys for those that listened. Uh, we were live on TikTok, Twitch, YouTube. We thank you guys all for tuning in. Uh, make sure if you didn't catch the first portion of the episode, make sure you guys check out uh, Jeff over at What a Hockey Podcast and the Morning Skate. Check out all of his content over there. Great, great stuff. We really appreciate him coming on. 
to the podcast. Same thing with Alex. Go check out all of her blogs over at gtdsports.com. Great stuff. We didn't really talk about the NBA playoffs this week because, I mean, it's kind of been monotonous. We've been doing it every week. So next week, it'll probably be down to the final game. And that's where we'll probably get into it a little bit more. Or it may be finished. Who knows? So it could be a season recap. But yeah, for those that watch the entire time, thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next week.